Betting Preview Podcast from Pregame.com. Pregame.com. Broadcasting straight from the Las Vegas Strip. Vegas, baby. With your host, R.J. Bell. I saw him on ESPN. Can I call Marco Daddy? VR seems wild. Auburn, South Carolina, SEC Championship game. And Marco, you've got your best bet video of the week on this game. You're 9-4 and four on these this year. So who do you like and why? Well, I like this game over the total. I think both teams are going to go up and down the field, and I'll explain all of the reasons why. But the big factor, last week, that game, the way Auburn came back and won, it was not the way you would expect it. You know, we know Auburn's got a great offense, but their defense has been their Achilles heel all season. It was their defense that won the game last week, holding Alabama to three points over the final two and a half quarters. So was that a fluke, or is there something fundamentally different about this Auburn day? This is a situation that I think it was a fluke, and I think that they played at such a great level, high performance last week, that it's almost going to be like, we, we dodged the bullet that we had to. Because most people thought if they were going to lose one of their two remaining games, it was last week's game, not this week. Well, they were underdogs. Right. I, I loved Alabama. I, I loved Alabama. Pretty, too. I, I was feeling pretty smart I in the was, second quarter. Actually, I, I did the cardinal sin whenever I watched that game and say, why didn't I make this a triple-dime play? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we all do it, you know, as cappers and betters. But uh, it was a phenomenal performance by the defense. And we got, some, we got some news this week on Cam Newton you might want to share here. Well, yeah, we're taping on Wednesday, so everyone probably knows already. He's been cleared individually. That, that seems to take a psychic weight off of not only him but this team. How do you, hand, how do you um, attribute that within the handicap? Well, I think it, it's another reason why I like the over, because he can now play without the questions, without you know, the media sticking a microphone in his so face you all think, the time. You think improved performance from Newton? From him. And then on the flip side, you know, everybody was worried about, okay, what happens if we lose Cam Newton? And maybe that's why the defense came and saved the day last week. They finally rose the occasion. Now it's almost like... Wait a minute. They didn't think they were going to lose him in the middle of the game, did they? Well, no, not in the middle of the game. But <laughs> They were going to go pull him off the field? No, but they just knew that if, if it happened, they were going to have to rise to the occasion. And, you know, now this defense, they can get back to what they do best, and that is watch people go by them. <laughs> All right, so what I'm hearing so far is... People saw the defense play well, especially in the second half. They're going to overreact to that. And I'm also hearing that Cam Newton being cleared is going to improve his performance. What other reasons? Well, the other reason is South Carolina. And I will admit right here, you know, we don't hide games. I, one bad play I had last week, I went against South Carolina. Is the only bad play you had? It was the bad handicap I had. Yeah, I, we were there. I lost Alabama last week, but I don't think that was a bad play. Uh, we were, you know, anytime you're up 21 nothing playing at home, you look pretty good. But I thought South Carolina would mail last week's game in. They had absolutely nothing to play for last week. They were locked into this game no matter what they did last week. And I felt Steve Spurrier would go through the motions, not show anything special on offense, go vanilla, because you didn't want to give Valburn something new to look at on film this week. And you wouldn't risk injuries. You know, you, this is the game that matters. Well, let's talk about this vanilla, because early in the year we talk about that a lot. We say that 
when a team like Ohio State is playing against a Bowling Green, um, that they will be very vanilla because they don't want to give away all the stuff they worked on during the preseason, during training camp and everything. But how can you go vanilla in the next to last game of the year? I, I totally understand you're not going to break out any new trick plays, that if you have some special two-point conversion or something you might uh, play, you might hold that back. But other than, than not um, unleashing trick plays or whatever, or doing something brand new that you haven't done the first ten games of the year, they got ten games of tape on. That's what I revert back to the early season. That's what I actually mean by going okay. vanilla, not showing anything new. So, so yeah, all right. So, so not be creative, right? Which is a detriment because creativity is good, right? All right, go ahead. I'm sorry. And the situation, I thought it was a great spot for Clemson. You know, it's a rivalry game. They got beat by South Carolina last year. Ironic. Right, so you were wrong. What does that tell you about South South Carolina? Well. South Carolina, when you look at their last three games, and that's what people are going to look at because they're rolling into this game on a, a nice three-game streak, the teams that they've played and manhandled, none of them have a good offense. So they, South Carolina looks better defensively right now than they really are. South Carolina has had trouble all year against good passing teams. And although Auburn... Is Auburn a good passing team? Auburn can pass the ball when they need to, Cam Newton has shown that ability, but this is a fully dimensional. It's not, you know, a one-dimension offense. The the running game gets the passing game going, and I just don't see South Carolina being able to trade points with this team, and it's going to get out of hand, which is then going to force South Carolina to throw more and keep the over going with turnovers or actually getting seven points. So you're saying if one team, Auburn most likely, gets ahead by 14-17, that's good for your over. That's good for my over here. Okay. So let me ask you this. How do you handicap this game differently if Auburn had won the game easily last week? Let's say they, they just come in Alabama, they get up by seven, uh, you know, maybe it gets tied, but, but at no point does Auburn feel like they're out of it and then they win the game. Mm-hmm. versus being down 24 on the road against a seemingly superior team. At that point, what were the odds of them winning that game? It was less than 5%, right? right. So to go from 95-plus percent that your dream is over to rallying back and then winning at the end, that I think it could create like a team of destiny effect with Auburn. How do you contr- uh, account for that in your handicap? Well, to me... The way that they ended up pulling out that win and getting the win, psychologically, I think this team does believe now that they are the team of destiny, that they this is meant to be the magical season. And I think that's another point where that defense, again, if you lack intensity, if you think you, know, you dodged the bullet that everybody thought was going to be the toughest one to dodge, now it's yours. You're going to be in but the a national team of, team. Being a team of destiny makes you try harder. Doesn't make you think. Well, we got this thing locked up. I, I think. I mean, I don't. You think they're going to hit the ground running? And I'm not saying I disagree with your total. I'm just saying I, I don't think. And that's what I think we got to do so hard on this show, Marco. Is I I think that that every factor of a handicap doesn't have to back your play. You might say, you know, if they weren't a team of destiny, I'd like this over yeah. even more. I'll change my word on the on the team of destiny. I think that this team is going to believe that they're there now, that they could, you know, 
So you think they're going to take it down or not? Instead of like, let's keep this thing running, it's like, hey, we've done it. I think they believe that Dallas, okay. you see, you've heard this before, like when we get to the AFC or NFC championship games, a lot of times the announcers will say, this is the Super Bowl, instead of the next week mm -hmm. when the two teams, you know, the two powerhouses play, you know, and it's almost like the next game is, even though it's for the Super Bowl, it's down a notch. I think that's what you're going to have here, and I think it's going to show up more on the defensive side of the ball for Auburn. All right, give us your projection. I've got this game as a total shootout, 41-34 Auburn. All right. <laughs> I'm going to make one last point, and it's your best bet, 9 out of 13. I'm not betting against you on this one. Let's uh, be wise, sir. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to tease this for the next. Uh, we actually have Nebraska at Oklahoma. I'm going to talk about how you handicap neutral field which is different than home or away. Mm -hmm. And these are two neutral field games. We've got the Auburn-South Carolina and then Nebraska-Oklahoma. So let's do that there. You can continue the conversation about this game with Marco and me in the comments section. And next up, we're going to be talking Nebraska-Oklahoma. And we're also going to be talking about neutral field handicapping in that game. Nebraska at, or not at, Nebraska-Oklahoma neutral field, Big 12 championship game. Marco, who do you like? Why do you like them? Well, I'm going to go with Nebraska, and I feel that Oklahoma left too much on the field last week having to get here to this game. All right, so they played Oklahoma State, and you actually, unfortunately... Unfortunately? Well, for me, you <laughs> liked Oklahoma. I loved Oklahoma State. We bet. I'm going to unfortunately have to pay my bet off on, on air. Um, let me ask you this. Oklahoma clearly played well last week. They were an underdog. Only the third time since, like, 2007. They won the game. It was an exciting game, but they should have won. It, it didn't feel fluky to me. They also played a good game against Baylor the week before on the road. But earlier in the year, they played horribly on the road against Missouri and against Texas A&M. What's going on here? Well, the thing that sticks out to me with the four games that you, you mentioned the last two, Oklahoma State and Baylor, two of the worst defenses in, in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, that's a, you know, a big equalizer if you can move the ball at ease against a team like that. And they just got into a situation with both of those teams where they couldn't stop them. And Oklahoma's defense was able to make enough stops in both games to get them the wins when they traded points. So wait a minute. What I'm hearing is the fact that in, in – that Missouri and A&M have not horrible defenses. Baylor and Oklahoma State have horrible defenses. And thus you're saying Oklahoma on the road, if they're playing a horrible defense, is just fine. But if they're playing a good defense, their offense can't perform up to snuff. Absolutely, which is going to be the second part of my handicap in this game. Well, go ahead. I want to hear this. This will be, without the shadow of a doubt, the best defense Oklahoma will have faced all year, bar none. Now, Nebraska is going to be handcuffed a bit without Taylor Martinez. Um, you know, we're taping again on Wednesday. The way the line moves, you know, he did not participate in practice, you know, on Monday and Tuesday, very limited. They're, they were saying game time decision, but based on what the line is, uh, I'm handicapping, expecting him not to play. And what's the line currently? Line currently is up to Oklahoma six and a half. Okay, so... You're saying 
overreaction most likely to the quarterback being out. Oklahoma is really playing a type of road game here, and we'll talk about the difference between neutral and road. But they're not at home. We know that. And they have trouble against really good defenses on the road, and thus you're getting some value, and it's a good fundamental matchup. Right. And the fact that the, the backup quarterbacks did play last week, so you've got another game under their belt with experience to help. But there's two other factors to this that I'm going to point in here. And I know this first one, you could say, works both ways. And we're going to talk about the Big 12 and Nebraska exiting the Big 12. I think. All right, so just to set this up, this is the last game Nebraska will play as a member of the Big 12. So they would like nothing better than to walk out the door and shut the lights as the Big 12 champion. Going it's kind of like in wrestling. Is there, there's been very, there's something called the, I think it's the Montreal screw job, where there was a, a wrestler that wanted to leave with the championship. Vince McMahon said, you can. He was going to go to the NWA, but they actually counted, acted like he submitted without him actually submitting. So it'd be like Nebraska leaving with the belts up, and then they're gone. <laughs> they're gone. But you could also say, well, wouldn't Oklahoma like nothing better to say, don't let the door hit you in the ass on the way out, you know, by knocking so, them off. So you're saying that both, it's, there's going to be heightened motivation on both sides. Right. So where I'm going to take it to the next level is the fact, and this is something in handicapping I always use as a major factor. If you have a team returning to a, the national championship game or to the Big 12 championship game or a Super Bowl loser from the year before, Heightened motivation when you're placed in that same position this back-to-back years. You don't want to fail twice. And Nebraska so there's a chance up. at redemption. Absolutely. Nebraska lost to Texas last year. A game that many felt they got hosed. All right, and so you think that increases motivation even more. And it gives them experience on the big stage. Yeah, I, something else that backs you up a little bit. You know the Big 12 commissioner, Beebe's his name, not like not, our not very Dan. own Dan Beebe, no. okay. is he skipped the Big 12 North Trophy presentation at the Nebraska last week because he had received death threats. <laughs> so Nebraska, when I was reading some of the, the actual um, local newspaper notes on the game, the first half of the article was all about the Big 12 doing wrong by Nebraska, and, and they left only because you know, Nebraska wasn't given a choice because Texas dominates the Big 12 uh, politically. So I, I think the Nebraska motivation is probably more than most people think in this spot, which kind of backs you up a little bit. Here's what concerns me. Here's where I would counterpoint that Oklahoma is probably really motivated. One of your pet handicapping theories is the dream crusher, is once a team loses a game that crushes their dream, like Boise last week, that the next week is their worst performance. I think there's a flip side of that coin, which is if a team really lost its way early, and Oklahoma losing one game pretty much knocked them out of the national championship, and that's what they were their goal, mm-hmm is now that they're in the Big 12, they're one win away from a BCS game. And it was a tiebreaker that even got them. They had a win on the road at Oklahoma State as a dog, win the tiebreaker with the BCS rankings just to get to this game. You know, I think there's a sense of a renewed dream here. We're going to play in the BCS. I think that doesn't negate your handicap, but I do think Oklahoma's extra motivated too. Both teams max motivation here in this this game, so I really don't think there's a motivational edge to either side. Our pregame pro, Tony George, did a post, I think it was Sunday night, 
um, uh, but I'm not positive about that. It might have been a little bit earlier. Where he had, you know, he's in, um, I think he's in Lincoln, actually. He has friends around the program. He said that this quarterback actually text, texted in his quitting the team. And that, that it was reported, actually, our post in the forums got put all around the web. We had like 35,000 views in that one thread mm-hmm. within like a half a day, like eight hours or whatever. And then it ends up that, oh, lo and behold, the next day everything was fine. There are, Tony's connected enough. There was some truth to that. And then you have the whole Coach Pelini and Osborne with his sideline antics. What's your sense of Nebraska? You know, they played really well last week. Do you think this team's distracted or, or focused? It, you're playing for the Big 12 championship. They're, they're going to be focused come Saturday. It, All know, the little stuff doesn't matter. When, it, when that, uh, they tee it up at the opening kickoff and you hear that crowd, they'll, they'll be focused. Give us your prediction. I've got Nebraska winning this game 27-23. I'm going to go with the better defense getting points. Uh, that's something I, I love. I like I like that actually I do. Do you think wait to see if it goes to seven? I do. You can't lose it. You're not losing anything if it goes well, back. If it goes to six, you're losing some. Well, we don't want people to think every point's valuable. Some just more than others. Right. But you have more to gain than you have. You to have lose. more to gain. The worst if it goes to six, the worst you, you know you're looking at a push where you would have had a half point winner. So you're not actually losing the proposition. But if you get to seven, it's that's a major major key number to wait. I, I mean, but if the theory is people overreact to quarterbacks being out, why wouldn't the public overreact on game day? A lot of the public won't even know until game day that this quarterback's out. For sure. And then they, oh, geez, I'm laying less than a touchdown? I'm not sure this doesn't go to seven and a half. I, I would be shocked if, if it went over that, really. All right, so you're saying grab it at seven. If you hit seven, grab it. If it drops to six, grab it also. So you're saying once it starts – no, really, let's talk about that a second. You're saying that if, the, if on before game day it drops to six, remember 90% of action from the public happens on game day. You think sitting there at six that it's a better chance to go to five and a half than to go to six and a half? I just wouldn't want to take a chance. It's, it's a bigger number, six to five and a half. I, I wouldn't want to lose the six number there. Yeah, but if six is a big number, getting a six and a half is a big number. It, it is, but we're sitting at six right now. Right now, we're playing the, the game like the stock market of where you want to buy and sell. The risk to reward of sitting at six and a half and hoping it goes to seven is okay because if it doesn't, we only go to six, and, it, and I'm, I'm not losing that much. I'm not putting myself in a position to lose a bet. But if it, if it would have went to six and a half, when you take it to six, you're losing six. Right, but I'm also risking the chance that it goes another tick down to five and a half. Well, that's the whole point. If, if we knew, we, it, that wouldn't be right. a discussion. I think this is going to go to seven. All right, let's talk real quick now. You've given your projection. Let's talk real quick about neutral field handicapping. Here's my take. It's not a home game. We know that. Right. But it's not a road game in that the, most likely the crowd is going to be pretty mixed. Now, that's an interesting handicap is, well, you know, I went to the Steelers Super Bowl two years ago. It was 90% Steelers fans. So for the crowd, it was like a home game for Pittsburgh. Um, assuming that's not the case in a typical neutral field game, my way I look at it as a handicap is you forget the crowd for a minute and you just think about the travel element of it. So in a normal road game, you've got travel, you've got crowd, two factors. Here you only have one, 
And that can matter because oftentimes for a road team, the crowd is the issue because it's a team that runs a no huddle. And we're actually talking about that in a future video here is how there's certain teams that run the no huddle a lot better. Um, and, and, you know, that's actually a, a point that, um, you know, actually I, you know, I, I did write that down. And, and this actually, I hate to say, but it might go a little against your Nebraska mm -hmm. side. I was reading some in-depth stuff on Nebraska. I dug a little deeper on this game, too. And they said Nebraska really has trouble with the no huddle. And the Oklahoma State and Iowa State are both teams that run the no huddle, just like Oklahoma does. And Nebraska had trouble against both of them. And the point they were making was that since it's going to be a neutral game, Oklahoma won't have a lot of the trouble that on the road that they do have with their no huddle, which is another reason maybe of that dichotomy of home and road that we talked about. Is, but, but, but doubling back, though, to the neutral for a second, some teams, especially passing teams, have more trouble with crowd noise, and I think that going to a neutral is mitigated in that case, but the factors like, you know, going to the hotel and all these other factors are there just as strong. So that's the way I look at it. There's not a lot of neutral games except for bowl season in college football. What about you? Well, one of the takes that I'll give you that I look at, one, you're going to look at how the team has played in their road games this year because even though it's not a true road game, it's still not a true home It's closer game. to a road game than a home right. game. Right, so you're going to look at that. But you're going to also look at experience factor of if they've played in these type of games. And both Oklahoma and Nebraska's played in many big bowl games in, on big stages. So they, they know that element of that neutral field. But one other element that you have, and this is something we'll discuss more in bowl season, not so much here, but when you have a neutral field, now because this is in the proximity of, the, of both teams, uh, you know, because of the conference ties, when you go to a bowl game, you have teams that travel well. I can tell you for a fact, Nebraska, you talked about the Pittsburgh Steelers as an NFL team that travels well. Nebraska is a team that travels very well. That's true. Historically. I, I was going back, I'll go back in time a little bit, but when Oklahoma, or excuse me, when Nebraska played Miami of Florida in the BCS game at the Rose Bowl, I guess it's been eight, nine years ago now, it was not, I was at that game and it was 90% Nebraska. So yeah, I, I can right. tell you another game that was very embarrassing for the university, but when Nebraska played Notre Dame a few years ago, the Notre Dame uh, alumni were embarrassed at the number of red in the, because Notre Dame alumni were selling the tickets because Nebraska people were paying ungodly prices for them. All right, good stuff. It's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're moving to the NFL we got two really big games. Oh, and we've got Atlanta at Tampa Bay coming up next. For the best deals from trusted sportsbooks, visit pregameaction.com. Atlanta at Tampa Bay. Marco, who do you like and why? I'm not saying a word on this game until I see $500. Somebody conveniently forgot to pay me in the last video. All right, you did win. I did buck your best bet, which at 9-4 and four didn't make any sense. Let me ask you, watching that Oklahoma-Oklahoma State game, though, that you won, do you, do you think you had the right side? Because it seemed like Oklahoma played their best game of the year, and they still barely won that game. But you know what? I'm actually a little bit ticked because my projection in that score game was 40-34 Oklahoma, and it ended up 47-41 
for the six points, but I just, you know, I had the six-point win on the money, <laughs> but not quite the exact score. All right, so I'm going to get the money out during this video. <laughs> Let's talk Atlanta-Tampa Bay. What's going on? Well, what's going on here? The Atlanta Falcons last week had the game of the year for them. They, they played the Green Bay Packers. That game was, you know... Well, wait a minute. Newer than host in New Orleans is going to be a bigger game. It's going to be a bigger game. But to that point, that was the biggest game of the season because what you had is everybody talking about the two young guns of the NFC, Rodgers and Ryan. You had the two teams that were going to end up with the winner of that game, you know, had an inside track to home field advantage. Big game. I got it. Now, you got so what's going on? Well, after such a big game, you have the letdown factor. And you've got, you know, Atlanta – They've got to be careful that they don't get caught taking this team for granted. So you, so you like Tampa Bay? Actually, I like the under in this game. All right, so you think Atlanta is going to be uh, in a flat spot off a big game, mm-hmm. and why does that correlate with the under? Well, the Tampa Bay, first of all, these two teams played already this year, and the game went over. So public is going to look at this game and look at it. Hey, went over the first time, it's going to go over again. Atlanta scoring points again. I think it's going to be the opposite. There were a couple big plays in that game, the first meeting that set up the complexion. So when of the you game. go you're saying you inside the box score and look actually at the play by play and you're saying a few big plays change the tenor of the game and thus the score was a little deceiving. Right. You you've got Atlanta that scores a touchdown and goes up by seven and then has a big kickoff return to set up another score instead of having one of those Understood. All right. So let me ask you this question. Well why don't we do this? I got a lot of stuff on the side. So give me give me your other points on the total and then we'll do the projection. Tampa Bay's been on the road for four of the last five weeks. Okay. They're returning home They've played well during that stretch on the road. Even though they got a couple losses, they were covering the games. And when they played Atlanta the first time, they were playing the second of back-to-back road games. And the game they played prior to that was a high-scoring game in Arizona where they had to come from way behind to win that game. And I just think they weren't mentally prepared for that game. That's why I'm going to come here. I think this is their season for Tampa because they've got two teams in front of them, both Atlanta and New Orleans. They can't afford another loss or really their playoff hopes are out the window, even though they still have a winning record. So it's Atlanta, New Orleans, Tampa Bay, Chicago, Green Bay. One of those teams aren't going to make it for the most part. Or then you throw the Giants in. So as much as the NFC was getting dogged earlier in the year, if you would say that amongst – uh, assume, you know, I mean, let's do it real quick. Philly Giants, all right? So if one of those get the wild card, now you got New Orleans, Tampa, Atlanta, Green Bay, Chicago. Two of those teams are going to be out of the are going to be out of the playoffs. I, the situation, you know, I think it's going to come down more to the Chicago, New, the Chicago Green Bay, the Atlanta New Orleans. Whoever finishes in second place in those two divisions are going to be. Do so you wild think card. either Giants or Eagles are not making the playoffs? No. The, yeah, whichever one doesn't win the division, I think, is not going to make the playoffs. Yes. And a lot of people just two weeks ago thought the Giants were the best team in the NFC. Right, and then two weeks after that thought they were a fraud. <laughs> That's as fast as they changed their mind. Now, so you're saying because Tampa's so motivated, that lends towards less scoring. Because but, de- intense defense, et cetera, conservative play. Absolutely. Okay, so give us your projection. I have the game. I, I actually still have Atlanta pulling off the win. 
but I got them 20 to 17. Okay. Tampa has covered five straight, like you said, playing really well. I don't think they're public enough that usually when a team gets hot like that, there's an adjustment to the line. I don't really think that's happened yet, which would make me want to go with Atlanta if there had been. So I think there probably still is some value on Tampa. But here's what makes me think when it comes to just general public perception. I don't like this spot. Out of the last 16 home games, how many do you think Tampa's covered? Three. Three. Okay. Three and 13 at home. It must something about these Florida teams because Miami's got a horrible home record. Is it for whatever reason this home field isn't there? Now Tampa has covered six of seven in this series, which I'm not exact. You know, now again, new coach with Tampa. This is the third year for the Tampa coach, right? Or is uh, it I'm, not, I'm not sure on, on how many years. So maybe been. that's something that that isn't as pertinent. Now the last point I would make is Vegas has really been slow to come around on Atlanta. Which might, if you disagree, might mean there's value on Atlanta. ESPN's had Atlanta as the number one team for two straight weeks, last week and this week. Clearly, after the big win over Green Bay, they're not going to get supplanted from number one. Vegas had them seven two weeks ago, or, or last week. This week, they have them five. So Vegas and ESPN are really out of uh, disconnected here. So my question is, where do you have Atlanta? Well, I think the reason that there's the disconnect there is because, and we've got to see this stat the last several weeks, everybody puts the number up about uh, Ryan at home. He's now, what, 18-1 and one or 19? Yeah, I think it's 19. 19-1 and one at home, you know, in the Georgia Dome, which means that he's just average on the road. So I think that there, that's why you're getting Vegas with the difference on the team, because Vegas looks at numbers. ESPN, we've talked about it so many times. It's you know what you see with your eyes. And well, Atlanta's at, except the ESPN rankings are John Clayton. These you know these guys that are experts at this stuff. I, you know I do think Vegas is sharper projecting games than John Clayton and the crew. But you know I don't think they're idiots. I mean they like Atlanta. Vegas doesn't. You know, I'm not, I'm not so sure, but you do bring up another good point, that home road dichotomy. Um, this is an Atlanta team that's had a number of premier games at home, uh, the Baltimore game on Thursday night, now the Green Bay game. Two of them in the last three weeks and both on prime time. And, and they won both games as, as pick them. You know, they weren't mm-hmm. favored really. So I think that there's probably a lot of love for Atlanta going on the road now against a desperate, probably slightly underrated Tampa Bay team. I think there's value on Tampa. I just can't bet a home team that's 3 of 16 at home. All right, Doug, if you want to go to the head-to-head, I'll, I'll let you here. All right, so we're, we're four, three winners and two winners, three and two right. on the season. So that, that 500 is sheer profit. Oh, you probably still have the other. Who knows what? Yeah, yeah. yeah your wallet. It's it's yeah, one of those uh, the, the moths fly out kind of things. Thank you, sir. Love doing business. Now I got to tell you. a story real quick. Marco was playing poker. I'm going to look at the camera here, Dust. Marco. <laughs> well, you know what you should do though. Go head to head so we can see Marco's reaction right. when I go through the I, screen <laughs> with a fist. <laughs> so I'm going to look at my camera because that's what I should have head to head. So we were at the uh, Venetian, and we had a meeting um, with you know a guy in the industry. Um, and Marco got down there; he started playing after lunch or whatever. And he comes over and goes, "Oh, I can't play Ace King. I can't play Ace King." 
the third straight time he went all in with Ace King. You know, I thought he had played it right in most spots, though not that one in particular. Then I go and I'm playing my game, and lo and behold, it's like two hours. I don't see Marco, and lo and behold, I see Marco walk in, and you know, I smile, and he's got he's got a rack of white chips. Now, white chips are dollar chips. Now, here's the thing that threw me for a second. I've been playing a little bit at the Suncoast that has a, a pretty big game on Monday and Wednesday. Their $500 chips are white chips. So I was actually thinking, does he have a rack? Of, then, then I thought, <laughs> and I looked a little closer, and they were single dollar chips. Like the little old ladies that are playing 4-8 uh, limit hold of carry. So, Marco, can you explain to the audience what was going on? I, you've just, it was one of those days that I just, I just wasn't feeling it. I got rivered like two or three times in big pots. And like you said, I played most of the hands correctly. It's just one of those things. A guy hits, he hits a two or three outer and, and you lose. So I just didn't want to play Texas Hold'em anymore. I moved to Omaha. And it was a 4-8 Omaha game. And all they play with is, you know, the $1 (laughs) chips on the table. So that's what happened, sir. This from the guy that walked three times around the food court to find the cheapest soda and who gave the cheapest refill. Because I don't want to have to revert to playing (laughs) 4-8. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation and tell Marco what he thinks, or excuse me, what you think about him playing 4-8 limit. Oh, in the, in, the com- <laughs> in the comment section. And next up, oh, it's my best bet. We got the Steelers at the Ravens. Steelers at Ravens. This is my best bet, and it's the game I'm really looking forward to. So, Marco, I'm going to start off here. I think this is all about the Steelers' run defense. And I actually talked about this on the uh, Dan Beebe show today in sports betting on Monday, and we went really in-depth on that. Um, I think the Steeler team, without Smith, their defensive end, and he's one of those guys that all the insiders say, oh, how important he is, is I think since he's been out, they really haven't played a team. New England doesn't want to run. You know, their short passing is their run game. And the fact of the matter is that Oakland – and Buffalo just weren't able to run. And I don't think the fact that the Steelers' run defense is compromised right now has been fully shown to be the case, and or exposed might be the better word. And I think that Baltimore might be the team to do it, though I actually have two points that mitigate that just a little bit. So I guess before I bring up my points that, that may mitigate that, you're a Pittsburgh expert. What, if it's the Pitt Panthers, if it's the Steelers, even the Pirates, uh, what's your record on Pittsburgh games at this point? We're nine and three with Pittsburgh games. We had a triple uh, dime play on the nine Pitt. and three is great, but you've got like a like a isn't it like fifteen well, twenty five? Yeah, or for the, for, I'm talking this year for football. Yeah, but just overall. What, yeah, we we've averaged over sixty six percent on our games. So you you are you're locked in. So yeah. what you care about. Excuse me, your opinion on Steelers is always valuable. So what's your take on my run game analysis? Well, it's absolutely true, and I will say one thing. Definitely, Baltimore will be a team that will try to run the ball against Steelers. It's almost like these two teams are like gladiators when when they play each other. They know each other's strengths, 
And it's like they don't back. Most teams try to avoid the other team's strengths. It's a mentality with these two. They want to pound the ball. at Baltimore comes out and tries to run against the Steelers to prove that they can. And sometimes I think that's stupid, but your point in this game is very valid. Now, I think there's two mitigating factors. One, it looks like the Baltimore fullback. Pittsburgh, you can't speed backs, forget about it. But, but, but power backs can sometimes get that, that fourth yard. And if you can get four yards in first down, you know, the Steelers only give up less than three yards of carry. So it's usually, hey, I'm going to make a, an effort to run. Oh, it's second and nine. Mm-hmm. Hey, I don't want to get caught in second and nine again. I'm going to throw almost every down. But if you can get four yards, now all of a sudden it's second and six, and you can actually run on second down too. And to me, the Baltimore fullback, the power running game being, not, uh, being somewhat problematic without him, I think mitigates that deficiency on the Steelers' side a little bit. And I also think, and this is getting kind of in-depth, but Brett Kiesel, their other defensive end, has also been out for like six weeks. Mm-hmm. They've actually, the Steelers have done this well defensively without both of their DNs. And the fact is, Kiesel almost played last week. He's back. He's having a full week of practice. I think those two things mitigate the run factor just a little bit. It does. I think the bigger question in the game is the Steeler offense, which we've had three games now where you know they've had the offensive linemen out. They had the bad game against the Patriots where they had you know no protection for Ben. They had a great game against Oakland, which I think Oakland got exposed. You know, Oakland had been, you know, putting up some points, not as good as they were. Last week, in what was definitely a flat spot for the Steelers against Buffalo, you had the situation. The Steelers moved the ball well, but they didn't finish the drives. See, I, I, I don't know if I – did you watch the game? I didn't watch the whole game. Yeah, see, you're, you're not right about it. That's the same thing they're saying on ESPN Radio. They're just not right about that. Is is it's really just been a situation? It was a situation where Pittsburgh was up thirteen nothing, and they played really. They had total ball control. I think it was twenty four minutes to six minutes in the first half. They don't. It wasn't just thirteen nothing. They dominated. And in the second half, you know, the momentum wasn't really there. Couple three and outs, you know, and then three and outs for Buffalo. And Buffalo had one play. It was a screen play. And it was a little middle screen, and they broke it, which is rare for Pittsburgh. It went like 70 yards or whatever, and it changed the texture of the game. Then Pittsburgh got the ball back, and really Pittsburgh went up and down the field. Otherwise, I, I think the offense played really well except for that flat spot but, in the third quarter. But what I said is that the Steelers played well, but they didn't finish the drives because they had to settle for field goals. But they were all over 40. They had four field goals all over 40 yards. So it was none of that, and when I hear, and maybe it's just a terminology thing. When I hear about finishing drives, it's and this is what Pittsburgh has done um, often when they're not doing well in offense. They get down inside the twenty and they kick twenty-five yard field goals, and it's like they should have got. But when you're kicking forty yards, you know, and, and and actually the last one was like forty-one. A couple of them were forty-six, forty-seven, and then they're forty-nine. They they actually were just getting into that that you know not the red zone, but the thirty thirty in. Right. And, and, and their new kicker had an amazing game. He was the MVP of that game. Absolutely. So I like the over. So maybe let me get to that point first. I'll make my official projection on that. My best bet is the over. And there's a couple reasons why. One, I think Baltimore's going to try to run more. And I think they're going to be somewhat successful. Because with Pittsburgh, they're, you know, they're like the first team. I think last week, it's, it's right on the border, is 
what is it, 11 games now. They've given up the least yards in NFL history. And I think they might be 20 yards over, but they're within like 20 yards of the least yards in NFL history on the ground through 11 games. This is a historically good mm-hmm. run defense. I don't think they're historically good anymore without Aaron Smith, and I don't think that's been exposed yet. So though Kiesel's going to help, I think Baltimore should be able to run a little bit, which is going to open things. You might hit say, well, if they can run, maybe that means low scoring. No, it means they're not going to be stuck in second and 12, which is going to help the scoring. Number two, I think the Steelers' defense is somewhat, and I want your opinion on this, somewhat stymied by the officials. i got to tell you something. The fact that the hit, did you see the hit on the highlight? I saw the, the hit. fact that that hit got penalized was, a, was not a sin. It was a mistake. Mm-hmm. The fact that he got the same penalty that the Raiders player did for punching Big Ben after a play, uh, it, it, I find it flabbergasting. And I don't think it can do – I think it has to hurt Pittsburgh a little bit. They're questioning the way they play football on defense. Absolutely. I mean, the two players that it's hurting the most is, you know, Harrison and Troy. I mean – I don't think it's hurting Troy at all. I think Troy's he's, – he's, I think he's, Troy's hurt. I mean, his ankle's hurt. He's not practicing. He had a couple of big plays late in that game. And if you just look at the highlights, you're thinking, last year – and especially the year before, you would hear Troy's name 12, 13, 14 times uh, in a game. He was everywhere on the field. You, you can go a quarter and a half and not hear him right now. Now, what they're saying is, is that that Romer, uh, where, where the guy's kind of able to go where he wants, is Timmons now, and they're letting Troy be a little more locked in, and maybe that's why you're not hearing him as much. But when I don't hear him as much and I hear his ankles hurting, I'm thinking he's not at 100%. Good point. Um, one other point that you haven't brought up, you know, this is for the division, obviously, and, you know, this game on Sunday night and the next game that we're going to talk about, you couldn't ask for two better games to finish the week out. People are going to look and point out Ben didn't play in the first game. Baltimore went in to Pittsburgh, won in the last 30 seconds, 40 seconds of the game. Joe Flacco pulled it out. I will give you an interesting stat on Joe Flacco. You know, we always get talking about Joe. He's faced the Steelers now six times. He's two and four against the Steelers straight up. The two games he won, Ben Roethlisberger did not play in either one of them. Uh, interesting, interesting. Last year, the, the concussion game. I've always, I, I, don't, I think psychologically mm. that comeback that Flacco had might help. I think the complicated... The thing about the Steelers' defense is it's really complicated. Inexperienced quarterbacks don't do well at all. And, and that's what we've been talking about. Breeze, yeah, he can do well. Brady, he can do well. But Manning, he can do well. But really, this is a defense so complicated, only the best quarterbacks do well. I don't think Flacco's in that category. Though, to be honest, Flacco probably is a little better than I was giving him credit. You know, in the first quarter of the year, I thought Flacco was, was literally certainly in the bottom half of quarterbacks. I don't think he was in the top 16. I think now he, he may be. And I think you answered your own question, too, by saying the way that he did engineer that comeback, that gives a guy, once you yeah, do maybe, it, maybe. once you do it, you believe you can do Vegas it. Vegas doesn't believe in Baltimore. Vegas has him ninth. A lot of people think they're the best. I, I hear all the time they're the best. I agree with Vegas. I, I look at this team and say their defense isn't quite as good. 
And their offense isn't really that good. They've got a couple of big-name receivers. Again, they're a good team. But i, I got to tell you, I think they play well against bad teams. I mean, they, they'll blow you out. Don't worry. But, but they seem to lose more of the close games than they win. Well, I think it's, you know, last week's a perfect example. They totally dominated Tampa Bay most of that game, yet the final score, you're looking at a seven-point margin because they gave up that late touchdown that made the final score look look close. And I think well, Where that, do you put Baltimore in, in the NFL? In the NFL or the AFC? NFL. The whole NFL, I'll probably put them about seventh. All right, so lower than, you know, I think they're four right now in the ESPN poll, if I'm not mistaken. Okay, so one last reason on the over, then I get a couple of points, and I'll let you close. This O-line, you're talking about the injuries of the O-line. Look, the left tackle's gone. He's out for the year, Starks. Otherwise, they've got everyone back. And if anything, they've actually replaced um, the, the, the right guard, I forget his name, with a guy named Foster. And Foster, supposedly, is playing really well. Jonathan Scott, at the left tackle replacement, is playing a little better. And Pouncey, their center, is doing outstanding. I think this line's coming together. I mean, they ran, I tell you, late in that game against Buffalo, they, I mean, um, uh, our running back, Mendenhall, had 155 yards. I mean, and it wasn't like one long run or anything. Is we're, I think the, the offensive line's coming together. That's another reason I like the over. This series, only two of the last nine games in this series have gone under. 6-2-1 and one over. I just think people think defense, but I think that with these two, I think it's a little outdated on the Baltimore side, and I think that all the other factors, and this is 40, I think the over is a strong play here. I have no opinion on it, on this game at, the, at this time, but you know I can't argue with the points that you're, you're bringing out. That's smart. Two last <laughs> points. Steelers, rarely underdogs. They've covered seven of eight as dogs. Point being, Steelers are a sound, fundamental team that doesn't beat themselves. Give them points. You've got to feel good. Good defense getting points kind of goes back to the Nebraska game. Last thing, this is probably the most eye-popping stat. Baltimore is 44-20 at home, ATS. So this is 64 games, so you're looking at eight games a year. So you're looking at eight seasons almost. Well, exactly. I guess <laughs> that's going to count playoffs, you'd think. Eight seasons, so it's even back past Harbaugh. This team does well at home, mm-hmm. which makes me, you know, not want to jump on the Pittsburgh side all that much. It, it's a tough ball game. You're getting, I think, a little bit of value in the line with the Steelers this week because of public perception. Anybody that looked at that game last week, the Buffalo, yeah. even though Pittsburgh dominated early, really the way it all played the talk out. was the guy dropped the touch. Absolutely. Now it's your turn to continue the conversation in the comment section with Marco and me. And next up, we're talking Monday Night Football, and you have a chance to win $100, no risk, no obligation. For free real-time odds, lines, and scores, visit pregamelines.com. Jets at Patriots Monday Night Football. Actually, you're going to have a chance to win $100 in this video. And we're giving a $10 coupon away. So stay tuned. Marco, who do you like and why? Sure you don't want to give that coupon away because we've been forgetting. (laughs) Who do you like and why? All right. I'm going to go with the Jets here. And this is one of the games that you're going to hear the battle cry. If I hear this one time this week, I'll hear it a thousand. What's the chances of Tom Brady losing twice in the same year to the same team? And, and I just think that's going to be the mantra of people's handicap. And people just really don't believe in this Jet team. And you know me on these videos. 
I just haven't bought into New England. So you just think it's so you you don't like New England, or you think New England's overrated, and you know Vegas actually likes New England. They have them second, and they have the Jets eighth in the Vegas rankings. So you don't like New England. You think the Jets are getting uh, are, are actually underrated here? Th- they are, and I and I'll tell you why. Okay, you say Vegas likes New England. Okay. Answer me this. These two teams are tied for the best record in the AFC, correct? Yeah, Denver was 6-0 last year. Okay, but we're deep into the season, okay? Here but we are. tied for the best record is one game. I mean, the Jets quite literally could have lost four other games this year. Okay. But my point is, if these two teams are tied for the best record, you have to say both teams have done what we've expected. You know, they, they've done nothing wrong to be right, where they're enough. at. These teams played already this year at the Jets. New England was a three-point favorite there. Mm, mm. Okay, now what happened if they were a three-point favorite there and you just do the normal Which flip? Which means it'd be nine. Would be nine. So tell me what happened to two teams that have the best record in the NFL to constitute penalizing this. Yeah, well, Holmes has really stepped up for Jets. And was Revis in that first game with New no. England? So, yeah, but you're right. Is Actually, I, thought, I think that was the first game Revis came back. You're right, because then, no, then he hurt himself and was out the second half. But, but he, coming into the game, because right. Moss made that one-handed catch that everyone remembers. Right. So, uh, yeah, intro, now the question is, is New England a lesser team without Moss? You know, the fact that Vegas thinks they're second, no. I just think, you know, you make a good point. You would think the Jets are, came into the season as one of the Super Bowl favorites. And then they've overperformed, though they've had close games. Um, yeah, that's interesting. So, so now normal people would say, with me saying that, I should be all over New England because there's value on New England. But you know, I don't go that way. I go that this is a trap. You're saying they're making it too easy to bet New England. Absolutely. You didn't expect that one, did you? Well, to me, to me, it's it, the thing that's the most flabbergasting about all this conversation is the fact that, that New England was three on the road at the Jets. So, I mean, you can't think New England was, is less highly regarded now. So that must mean the Jets have gone up strongly in people's minds. You know, but, I, I mean, but you said it at the start. The Jets were the preseason darling for the AFC. Yeah, not the favor, but certainly in the, the mix. Right. But, the, you know, I don't think they've gone that far. I mean... New England definitely, I think, has overachieved what people thought they were going to be coming in. New England wasn't the favorite to win the Super Bowl. No, not even close, especially after they traded Moss. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. I, I, I think that, uh, but really, I think you're right that the line has been massively adjusted. It makes me like New England. Because, but let's dig in because this is something we talk about sometimes, but, but I, don't think, I don't think I fully understand it. So I'm sure that some of the viewers don't and listeners is I totally get the point if Vegas is trying to tempt you to do something, you want to do the opposite. I get that. But let's really examine that in this case. You think, don't you think because it's a New York team and it's a very public game, you don't think the three and a half is enough to attract Jets action? I mean, what would you guess at sportsbookspy.com, you can, you, as you know, you can get the bet percents on the game. What do you think the split of this is going to be come game time? Well, I didn't look. under your theory, you think it's going to be 70% New England. Right. I think there's going to be New England action. I don't know what it is. I haven't looked at that. I look at that later in the week. 
I don't look at no, it. No, no, I think until game day, it's, the data is not, you know, on game day, the data gets good. But my question is, do you, would you make, a, if I said I'm willing to bet you that New England will not get 70% or more of the action, which 70 is that line of, hey, there's a preponderance of action, would you be confident New England's getting 70% or more? 70 is a big number because, like you said, of the market share of, of yeah. being a New York team. But I definitely will say that they will be over 63%. 63. Okay, so the, the question is, if it is 63.37, do you see how quick I did it? You're if sure. it is 63.37, then couldn't... Then, then the bookies aren't really getting the effect. You know, some of these NFL games are 80-20. So... I mean, I, I guess the question is, I think if the line was three, I think of these teams as even. I don't think of them as even teams. I think New England's better. I think the public thinks of these as even teams. The fact you're getting three and a half means I think you might be getting Jets action. I will be shocked if, if you're getting Jets action, but a couple points. All right, so let's make a bet. We don't have to do the, a 500. No. I'll take your 63, Okay. and I'm going to bet you that New England will have – 63 is a push, 64 you win and above, 62 and below I win. I, I, I will bet, what, 300? We'll bet 300. I think it, it goes up. I think you might even be more than 50% Jets. Wow. I'll, I'll take that we'll bet. Take I'll, bet. I'll take that bet all day and all day tomorrow. All right, give me a few more facts. In this well, game. one thing that I will give in favor of, of New England in this game, both teams played on Thursday, okay, so maximum prep time. I think for a one-game prep, Belichick does have an advantage over Rex Ryan. I, I just think he's a better coach. What would you? We always talk about true lines and fair lines. True line is if God made the line and was trying to say 50% is going to fall one way, 50% is going to be the other. The fair line is what is going to split the action, what the public thinks. So the difference is the public's misperception. What, what's the true line in this game? I think the true line should have been around four and a half in this game. I think New England, based on the first game and a little bit of adjustment from public perception, I think I wouldn't have thought anything if this game come out at four and a half. Okay, then doesn't that go contrary to your point, which is you're saying that you think that the line is less than it's supposed to be, which means that they've adjusted because they think they're getting more Jets action. And they think that there's a misperception that the Jets are better than they seem and, or better than they are. And that misperception is something Vegas is going to take advantage of by making the line three and a half and, and inducing people to take three and a half on the Jets instead of four and a half that they really deserve. It, this is one of those ones where how we read public perception and to me, Tom Brady, Bill Belichick, New England Patriots, when it opened at three, remember this line opened at three, the opening number, to me when I see three, and I know it's not just pick the winner, but I view it kind of like that because most game, you know, very few games will fall under three. I mean, you don't see too many 21-20 games. The, the three understood, is there. understood. Three is a key number. It's a key number. To me, you're, you're saying... I can take Tom Brady and just have to win at home. That's just too comfortable. Or you could say me. the Jets are one of the best teams in football, and I'm getting, I'm getting now over a field goal. They're one of the best up-and-coming teams, and until they actually get to the Super Bowl with this group of young players, they haven't done that yet. 
And that's where well, I wait think... Wait a minute. Vegas says San Diego would be favored over any team on a neutral right now. ESPN, because they have uh, San Diego number one. ESPN has Atlanta number one. Neither of those teams have won or even made the Super Bowl recently. So the idea that you can't be an even team until you make the Super Bowl, that... Uh, but the, the difference in those teams, Atlanta, Atlanta, I would classify the same as the Jets. They're the, an up-and-coming team that hasn't proven anything yet. San Diego's done everything but win the Super Bowl. They're they a perennial the play, Super Bowl. But they're, they're a perennial They haven't play. even been in a game in the fourth quarter in the championship game. <laughs> they're a couple steps from the Super Bowl. But they're a perennial playoff team. The Jets just, you know, came back to the party last year. Do me a year. favor. So you do a pod, an NFL podcast. Yes, I do. And uh, it's Friday, and it's Dan. It, you guys got all the Dan, podcast Mike, guys, and, mm-hmm. and you talk NFL, and it's like an hour. Mm-hmm. I want you, because we don't have the time today, I want you to, in that, you can go to pregamepodcast.com and get all the podcasts, get the Friday NFL special. I want you to explain, because I'm going to listen in, I want you to explain to me how this is Vegas tempting New England action. Because I usually, I, get, I don't agree with as many traps as you do, but you win, so I kind of just say, hey, Marco got something to figure it out, I don't. But I think sometimes you don't, you know, like anyone else, you don't read it right. I just don't understand how this is crying for New England action at 3 Well, I tell you, I'm going to, give you another podcast to listen to, uh, Mike and Gil do it on Tuesdays. And I don't listen to it till later in the week because I don't want it to affect my hand. So it's a guess the line. What are guess they guessing this? I don't know because I haven't listened to it. That's, That's interesting. What I'm it's another one to listen to. Right. All right, give us your projection. I've got the Jets pulling the upset here, 27-24. It will be a hard-fought game, but I think the Jets are going to get it done. Uh, Sanchez, I got to be honest with you. You say Flacco, you know, you might have underestimated him. I'll, I'll say it. I, I underestimated Sanchez. He's so better than saying, except for these late drives, he's playing poorly. Uh, you but, know, but I when, the, when the game's the, been on the line, yeah. that's that's when. Well, when you're getting three and a half, you're right. That's good. Now, would you say wait on this one, or uh, you think there's a four out there? It's not. There, there's a possibility there. that there's a four out there, well, especially I, if it goes over sixty-three percent, like you say. Especially. So. All, right. All right, so let's do some uh, business here. Here's the way you win 100 bucks: is in the comment section of YouTube, you predict the score of this game. Jets this many points, New England this many. If you get the score correct, and again, it's free to enter, so it's a free roll, you win 100 pregame dollars to spend just like cash on anything at pregame.com. So we got that taken care of. Marco, quickly give us the coupon for this week. The coupon this week, since it's championship weekend in college, Champ 10. That's the word. Champ, the number 10. You get $10 off. All all one word, no spaces. All one word, and the number 10, you get 10 bucks off. And you just add that in the shopping cart, in the coupon code. So in the shopping cart, you got the coupon code, put it in, hit apply, you get 10 bucks off. 10 bucks off. All right, that's it for this week. It's your turn to continue the conversation. Not only can you predict the score, but you can talk about the points in this video. And uh, we're going to be back next week with a whole new slate of games. Talk to you then.